Well, good morning, everyone. It is, uh, it's really great to be here uh, with you again. Uh, it's been a few years uh, since I made my way out this way, but uh, the last time I, that I was out here uh, was really enjoyable. Um, got to spend a, a day uh, with Pastor Neil out chasing some deer in the bush. Um, I know one of his uh, favorite pastimes, and uh, I actually had my, my oldest son with me, and uh, we had such a great time, uh, a real blessing to be able to spend that time uh, with Pastor Neil. Um, actually was really gave my son the itch to, uh, to get into hunting, and so very transformative for him. And, uh, um, but I know uh, Pastor Neil is such a lovely man, uh, and uh, my condolences are, are with this congregation still, uh, and with his family, I know. It's a, uh, that kind of loss leaves a, leaves a big hole. Uh, today, I, I am delighted to stand in, in for Pastor Adrian uh, and bring you a, a bit of an update uh, about Mission Possible uh, in Vancouver's downtown east side. Uh, if, if Mission Possible is new to you, if you haven't heard of it before, uh, we are uh, a nonprofit organization uh, that was started by the Vancouver First Church of the Nazarene um, and, and a number of others on the, on the uh, Nazarene district here. Uh, nearly 30 years ago, was anybody anybody here part of that uh, those founding days back back then? One person, two people, fantastic. Um, thanks so much for uh, for your work and for your help uh, and your support over the years. I know here in Penticton, uh, the downtown east side probably feels like a world away. Um, you know, there's mountains in between uh, and lots of beautiful country and uh, all that kind of stuff, but. Um, it really is. Uh, it is it really is a ministry of this church of this uh, Nazarene district, and uh, I want to thank you so much for your your prayer and your support, your financial giving, um, everything you've done to help uh, uh, keep this ministry alive and thriving in the downtown east side. Um, the work isn't easy, and so I, I would invite you uh, to continue to pray uh, for us, um, especially for uh, pray for our staff. It's hard. It's hard work. Uh, it, it takes a toll, an emotional toll. This, uh, this past year, um, like many years, there's, there's been challenges, but uh, we, have, we have lost a few uh, individuals who we were serving due to the, the overdose crisis. And it's really tragic. I mean, individuals who had made such uh, amazing uh, steps forward, um, had moved towards sobriety, and um, were really uh, on a path to uh, a healthier life, you know, one little slip nowadays, and, and uh, the, the drugs that are out there are, are, are really are poison, and just, you know, within minutes, people can be gone. Uh, and it's incredibly tragic. And so when that happens, you know, it, it does affect our, our team, our staff, uh, very much. We, uh, the work that we do is very relational. You know, it's really about loving on the individuals that we, we get to work with every day. And um, that... Uh, that connection and emotional bond is, is really strong. And so when, when folks pass away, um, it's, it's really heartbreaking. Uh, I'd also ask you to pray for the, the people in the downtown east side. You know, it's, a, uh, it's an area with over 2,000 individuals who are homeless. Um, and this past week, Vancouver had snow. And you know Vancouver, when it snows, there's chaos, right? And, this, you know, might as well just shut the city down. Everybody stay indoors. Nobody gets hurt. But uh, there's, there's literally hundreds of people who are sleeping outside in that, in that weather. And uh, right in, in our neighborhood, probably close to 50 tents in the, in the park right there, um, there were two individuals who had been camping right in front of our building. 
And in order to stay warm, like a lot of folks do who are, who are homeless, they lit candles in their tent. And uh, unfortunately, one of them, his tent caught on fire. And uh, actually, um, he was able to get out, but not without burns to his hands and his face, ended up in the hospital and uh, actually caught our building on fire on the, on the front of our building. Um, fortunately, it's, it was a brick building, and so it didn't, uh, didn't burn the building down. But that's the reality that, that people are, are facing, and uh, it's, it's a real challenge. So I just ask you to continue to pray uh, for the, the people in the downtown east side as well. Uh, so just a, uh, a quick introduction for, uh, for those of you who may not know uh, all that much about the, the downtown east side itself. It's about a square kilometer, um, if you kind of factor in the, the whole neighborhood. Uh, in, in that square kilometer, there's uh, nearly 20,000 residents who live there. Of those uh, 20,000, um, over half uh, are living in poverty. So it's, a, it's a, a neighborhood that's really economically challenged. It's also rapidly changing. And so there's, uh, there's this, this pressure from you know, property prices or property values going way up and people are wanting to build and, and redevelop and, and gentrify the neighborhood. And uh, that really creates displacement for people who you know, call that place home and have lived in these, uh, in these lower rent uh, buildings for a long time. Uh, and they end up displaced and having to you know, find new, new places or not find new places and, and end up on the streets. Um, it's incredibly challenging. The majority of the residents uh, who are there who uh, are experiencing poverty uh, live in social housing, primarily uh, provided through BC Housing. And uh, almost 75% of the individuals who live in social housing are unemployed. So it's a community with significant uh, social and economic challenges. Uh, there's high rates of, of mental illness, uh, addiction, there's disabilities, poverty, homelessness, uh, and lots of other challenges as well. And these challenges are, are really what has given it a reputation across Canada uh, and really around the world. But at, at Mission Possible, what we really want to do is, is portray the downtown east side uh, in a different light. We, uh, we know that most people tend to dwell on and, and they, they wanna represent those, those challenges. You know, those are the, uh, those dysfunctions within the community. They, they tend to get highlighted. Uh, and they skip over the really beautiful things that are happening in the downtown east side. They overlook the potential uh, of the people who are there. They overlook their gifts. They overlook their abilities. And those stay hidden. So at Mission Possible, we know uh, that everyone is created in the image of God. We know that there is an essential part of our DNA that comes from our maker. And when we aren't given opportunity to exercise uh, and enliven those, those parts of us, our, our whole life suffers. So for example, just like you and I, uh, and, and all the folks in the downtown east side are very, very relational beings, right? We, God has created us to, uh, for community with one another and with him. In the downtown east side, there's an incredible amount of isolation that takes place uh, with folks there. And they, they, are, they don't uh, have the opportunity for that connection in that community. There, uh, there's also uh, part of us that uh, was actually created to work. That is part of who God made us to be. At, from, the, from the beginning with Adam and Eve tending the garden, you know, God created them, put them in the garden, you know, here's, here's your life's work, tend this garden. 
But in the downtown east side, there are, are many who aren't able to, to exercise those gifts, those abilities to, to put them into work and, and uh, feel a sense of meaning and purpose through, uh, through that activity. And so when any of us aren't able to, to exercise these, these abilities and gifts, we aren't able to feel like whole people. Our self-worth suffers. Uh, we lose sight of how valuable we truly are. And we struggle to feel any sense of dignity and purpose in life. Um, and as often the case, uh, depression can set in, often followed by a sense of hopelessness and despair. So through our work at Mission Possible, we are, are really trying to help those who are challenged by homelessness and poverty achieve a renewed sense of dignity and purpose through meaningful work. We're trying to create opportunities for people to once again experience uh, good work, to experience connections, and ultimately uh, to move out of this place of being stuck, uh, feeling hopelessness, feeling ashamed about their situation. So I want to share a, a few stories with you. And uh, the first one is actually a video uh, of my friend Chris. Um, and uh, he came to Mission Possible in the, in the midst of his recovery journey. And uh, I just want to have, in the video, he, he tells about his experience in his own words. I get this hopeless feeling. All right. And uh, I don't know what to do after that. Alcohol is, uh, is an easy way, quick way to fix things. But in my mind, I'm going, well, you're going to have to stop this. This is ridiculous. I didn't talk to anybody. And then just the less people I knew, the less people, the less, the less, the less. And then uh, my skin started to get yellow. And I went to see my doctor the next day, and they just sent me to the hospital. A lot of time to think. This is the route you took. And I felt better. I felt like a part-time job. and get back in the groove. And then one day I walked by MP. And I remembered them. They'll take you as you are. That's what I remember. And so I walked in. And, uh, and they did. Told them all about myself. And uh, okay, we'll welcome. And they let me do the course. They gave me the opportunity to work things out. And I, I took a hold of that. When I first met Chris, he was quite shy, introverted. I think working on the clean team definitely opened him up to allowing people back into his life. The clean approach was not overbearing, not underbearing. It was just that great amount of support. Chris pretty quickly became a leader on the team. He invests himself fully in the work that he does and starting to see him fully realize the power he has to lift everyone up around him. Throughout the six months that, that Chris worked with us, I saw confidence growing in him. I think that confidence is what has driven him forward now. It, it's what got him to get a job on his own. I'm working now. I have money in my account. I'm healthy. I'm much more open. I, I'm back to complaining instead of being scared that you can't go out and do it. Now that's the truth. 
That's a treat. I don't, I don't even think sometimes they know what realize what they're doing because it's a little bigger picture than one person. But all the pieces together, it's a, it's a happening thing. I make a difference. I couldn't have said that before going to MP, but I do make a difference. So, um, so Chris's experience is, is not really, uh, it's not all that different than, uh, than Janet's experience. Uh, Janet's the one holding the, uh, the frame there. Janet, Janet's also had a, uh, a life really full of hardships as a, a First Nations woman with residential school challenges from her childhood, family challenges, bouts with addiction. Uh, life has been very difficult for her on many fronts. Um, when she first came to Mission Possible, she thought she was unemployable. She didn't think she had the skills. She certainly didn't have much confidence. She, th she thought she was too old to work. Maybe, maybe others of you in your 50s can relate, feel too old to work. These feelings that she had were really um, her way of expressing her lack of self-worth that she was feeling. Poverty robs people of their dignity. What she heard when she walked into the door of Mission Possible uh, was that we believed in her and we believed that she could succeed, that she was worth it. It took some time for her to start believing it, but uh, fast forward a couple of years and, uh, and Janet has kept her job. She, uh, she worked with us for, for nearly a year doing cleaning. She became our cook for a while. Uh, and finally, she moved, uh, moved on to another job outside of Mission Possible. And she has proven to others, uh, but most importantly to herself, um, that she is a gifted, capable child of God. Now, she believes it so much that she was willing to get up on the stage at our annual fundraising gala back in December in front of 450 strangers and tell her story. She uh, experienced some real inner transformation. Tomorrow, she's actually coming back to Mission Possible uh, for our monthly Momentum meeting. And she is coming along with her current employer, and they're going to talk about uh, talk to others who are currently working with us. And uh, they are going to, she's going to have the opportunity to talk about her experience uh, to those who are, are just getting started. She gets to tell them how she succeeded uh, and ultimately uh, tell them that she knows that they can do it as well, that they are capable that they are worth investing in. Uh, this next photo uh, is, is a picture of, of Michael. Uh, and Michael, um, the challenge that he has faced uh, throughout his life, primarily brought on through a disability. Uh, Michael was born with uh, a body that functions differently for most people. Uh, his right side, uh, although not completely paralyzed, is, uh, is not fully functional. Uh, his right hand doesn't work. Uh, and with the help of a brace on his, on his right foot, he's able, to, uh, he's able to walk, but with a pretty pronounced limp. Um, he's also uh, hearing impaired um, on, his, on his right side as well. And so finding employment throughout his life has been really challenging. 
Uh, Michael was volunteering with us uh, for uh, a number of months and uh, began to prove to himself and to us uh, that he was capable. He just needed the right opportunity. And so we offered Michael an opportunity uh, on our clean team, and he rose to the challenge. Although he has some handicaps working against him, uh, he really made up for it with his effort and his determination. Uh, Michael is now uh, one of our permanent staff and uh, has, a, has a route that uh, he works with our, our social enterprise and, and is responsible for, for doing that uh, every day. Um, he cares for multiple properties uh, in the downtown east side. He's even taken some initiative to help train some of the new folks who are, are coming into uh, the Mission Possible. Uh, this next photo is of Loretta. Uh, Loretta is another person who has been hired on permanently with Mission Possible maintenance. When she first came to Mission Possible, she struggled uh, to find the courage to even interview. She was one of the most shy people you probably have ever met. She wasn't really able to make eye contact at all. Um, she would turn bright red anytime you, uh, you talked to her or asked her a question. It was a real barrier in her life. But today, uh, she still turns bright red. Um, <laughs> but it's usually when she has to uh, talk in front of our entire team, um, when we have our staff meetings and things like that. Something that she never could have done prior to coming to Mission Possible. She is a cheerful person. She is always early every day. She is dependable, uh, she's committed, and she's always ready to help out her coworkers. The change that has happened in her life through this opportunity uh, to be trained and, and work at Mission Possible has been really dramatic. So I could tell you lots and lots of more stories, um, and they would all have different kind of um, experiences and different types of challenges and barriers that, uh, that people are facing, but all the stories are different. But the thread that kind of runs through uh, all of them uh, is really the, uh, the effects of poverty. It's the isolation, it's the devaluing of oneself, um, it's the sense of hopelessness that uh, tries to really take root in people's minds and hearts. God's desire is that people know that he loves them. That's his desire. And he wants to know that his people are, are sharing that love as well. So that is why intentionally serving those who are challenged by poverty is so important. I am a, I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the current uh, pope in the Roman Catholic Church. Hopefully that doesn't offend any of our Protestant uh, sensibilities here. But uh, uh, one of the reasons, well, the, really the main reason that I, I really appreciate Pope Francis um, is it, he has been a real prophetic voice in our age of calling uh, the Catholic Church and even beyond the Catholic Church uh, to return to the work of caring for the poor. He said in one of his homilies, poverty is at the very center of the gospel. If we remove poverty from the gospel, no one would be able to understand anything about the message of Jesus. What a bold uh, and yet emphatic truth. So why does caring for the poor matter? Why does it matter for me working in Mission Possible? Why does it matter for you with life here uh, in the Okanagan? Why, why is it important? Well, for starters, as followers of Jesus, 
we really are continuing a, a, a mission um, that he started in caring for the poor. All throughout his ministry, Jesus cared for the poor, reminded his disciples to care for the poor, and said that in order for us to obey the law of God, we have to love God with our whole being and love our neighbor as ourselves. So he then went on to give this example of, of who our neighbor is. Remember, anybody remember the example of who, the neighbor, who your neighbor is? The Good Samaritan. Yeah, the story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. So a man was going down from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, you know, probably down the, uh, the ascent of Adomin, um, this, this wadi that goes between the two, uh, uh, the two cities. And uh, he gets robbed, gets beaten up. Um, left for half, you know, half dead, left for dead. So a priest comes by, you know, skirts around him. A Levite comes by, does the same thing. And then the Samaritan comes by. And uh, the Samaritan takes pity on him. The Samaritan cares for him, bandages his wounds. He takes him to an inn, pays the innkeeper. Uh, you, know, you know the story, very familiar. And Jesus, at, at the end of that, says... Uh, so which one of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And they answer, the one who had mercy on him. And of course, Jesus' response, go and do likewise. So this going and doing likewise uh, that Jesus talks about, caring for those in need, providing for those who are without, it's not optional. Jesus doesn't make it optional. The story that's probably familiar to many of you is the story of the, uh, the sheep and the goats. In this story, we learn that from Jesus himself, that our eternal destiny depends on us caring for the poor. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus is talking about his return on the day of judgment. I'll, uh, I'll just read a, a little bit of a portion uh, of this story. But he talks about uh, separating people into two groups. And so there was a criteria on the day of judgment that he's talking about. And that criteria in separating people into the two groups, as uh, he tells this parable of the, the sheep and the goats. Now, the interesting thing to think about is it's not whether they went to church. It's not how many times they read scripture or... Uh, how much money they tithed. It wasn't even what they believed that was the criteria that Jesus talks about here. And so when I first read that, you know, many years ago, it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't, doesn't sound right. That's not what I've been told. But it's right here. And did we read that right? It says, uh, starting in verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You know, Jesus has a lot of hard sayings in the Bible, and this is certainly one of those. But there is some grace in this passage as well for all of us. If you think about it, um, it, it comes by, by way of instruction. Um, if you, uh, if, uh, I, I do this at home uh, quite a bit. Uh, there's, a, there's a feature called Find My iPhone, and you can just go onto it, and my kids lose the iPad, or my wife can't find her phone, and, you know, Dad, can you use the Find My iPad thing and, and find it? I, I think of this as, as, uh, as Jesus kind of, find, you know, this is, this is Jesus' Find My iPhone feature here. Jesus told us where he's going to be. He said, if we want to spend time with Jesus, we spend time with the poor. If we're looking to be giving to Jesus, then we also need to give to the poor. If we are looking to be a part of the ministry of Jesus here on earth, we will find it among the poor. He's told us where he will be present. All we have to do is join him. The, uh, the second reason that it's, that it's important that we uh, care for the poor is, it be, is because it really keeps us focused on the things that matter in life. In our day and age, there's countless things that are clamoring for our attention, uh, whether it's, it's entertainment, whether it's work, whether it's family, um, whether it's friends or hobbies, uh, even taking care of our own health. Um, there's church. Uh, and none of these are bad in and of themselves. Um, but there's always a temptation to move, uh, to move them to the center of our lives. Caring for the poor always brings us back uh, to the acts and the practice, practices that are really core to our faith. This is how we serve Jesus, and this is ultimately how we follow Jesus. There's a multitude of passages in the Bible uh, that warn us of the temptations of wealth. Um, and I won't get into all of those. That's a whole other sermon uh, on its own. Um, but I will say this. Uh, as Paul says in, in uh, the book of 1 Timothy for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, you flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. 
Caring for the poor keeps us centered on the mission of Jesus and actually protects us from things that pull away our desires from the Lord and pull us away from seeking first his kingdom. There's a third reason that uh, the caring for, caring for the poor matters. Um, and there are many more, but um, I'll end with this one. When we care for the poor, we are transformed through those acts. Not only does God use us as his hands and feet um, to carry out his work amongst the poor, uh, but through serving, we are changed. Dr. Mark Mann, who is a professor of theology at, at Point Loma Nazarene University, said, uh, said this regarding uh, caring for the poor. Such acts of mercy are necessary for our own growth in grace. In other words, God's grace works in such a way that when we seek to offer grace, we offer love, we offer compassion to others, we are every bit as much the recipients of God's grace, love, and compassion. I, I can testify this morning that this is true for me. Uh, I was a young, budding Bible scholar uh, back in the day when I was in Bible college. There were lots of areas of interest uh, within scripture, um, and uh, I actually got a, a degree in biblical studies. But I can tell you that even through that uh, intense uh, study of the Bible, many years, very great, you know, good professors, I missed this reality of God's call for us to serve the poor. It wasn't actually until I began working at Mission Possible that when I began face-to-face -face having these, uh, these encounters, having uh, the opportunity to build relationships, to gain understanding, that is really when my heart and my mind began to be changed. But it wasn't just understanding poverty. It was really understanding the heart of God. It really took that experience, um, that, uh, that opportunity for me, uh, for my own life to be transformed. So through these acts of, of serving the poor, um, I personally have grown tremendously uh, in my faith. I've grown in my love for God. And I know, I know God in ways that I never could have otherwise. I shouldn't have been surprised. Uh, it's right there in the scripture <laughs> telling me that I should be doing this and that uh, God is there and I would meet him. All I had, would have had to do was, was just believe what Jesus actually said. He was right there among the poor all along, uh, just waiting for me to come minister to him so that he could in turn minister to me. God is so amazing in the way that he flips things upside down from the way that we expect them to be. I'd like to close with, uh, uh, with this. There is, um, there is a theologian who's probably very familiar to, uh, to many of you um, who really helped shape the faith tradition of the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, his name is John Wesley. He was uh, an English reformer uh, back in the 1700s, and uh, he was a man whose 
emphasis on care for the poor was central to his theology. His teaching helped me to understand uh, these reasons why caring for the poor matters so much. But he had this slogan that he's famous for, and you, maybe you've heard it before. Um, it's this. It's, uh, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Pretty simple. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. John Wesley was a man who put this into practice. Um, he literally gave away uh, almost everything he had. He was, he was, a, uh, he was an, a, an evangelist. He, he started uh, the Methodist uh, denomination. Um, he was someone who, over the course of his lifetime, had earned millions of dollars in, in today's, today's dollars. But he was so committed to uh, not squandering that investment that the Lord had given him uh, and made sure that he invested it in, in people. When he passed away, uh, he had almost no money to his name. He had given it all away over his lifetime. But he knew that it wasn't merely an act of obedience to do this. He knew it wasn't, God said to do it, I've got to go do it. It really was, he knew that in the act of doing it, that God was transforming him. He knew that caring for the poor actually meant he was caring for the Lord himself. And through that act, he experienced and was changed by the grace of God. So before you all get out your checkbooks and get ready to give away all of your worldly goods, there, there is one thing that I, uh, I want to say. Um, that there, there is a best practice when it comes to how you care for the poor. And it's this, discerning together. When uh, we as a church, we as fellow believers, discern together how the Lord is calling us to respond, we, we can do that in a way that is wise and in a way that is truthful to the Lord's leading for us. Simply bringing people into your home on your own uh, who, are, who are sleeping outside may not be the best way to care for the poor. Simply giving all your money away today may not be the best way to care for the poor. But if your heart is stirred by the Lord, I would invite you to talk to Pastor Adrian. I would invite you to talk to your church board to your fellow believers and discern how the Lord is calling you to act. And I will promise you this, not only in so doing will you be ministering to other people, to the poor, to those in need, but in that same, uh, in that same act, in that same work, you will be transformed in the process. Can I pray for you? Father, we are so grateful that you have invited us into this work. Father, you have allowed us to, to join your mission. You have allowed us to be the way in which you care for the poor. We are your conduit, Lord, of your grace and your love and your compassion. And we are so grateful to be part of that. 
Lord, we ask for your wisdom today, that you would, uh, you would encourage us, that you would guide us, you would give us discerning minds and hearts. As we want to follow your lead, we want to follow your spirit. And Lord, we know there are so many uh, outside of our doors who uh, are in need of your love, in need of your compassion. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And may we be changed in the process. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.